I want to talk to you tonight about the new creature that you became the day that you accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and what God's image of you is and also how he sees you. That's the title of my message tonight is what God's image is of you and how he sees you because it's apparent that we do not see ourselves as the way the Lord sees us. It's apparent in our actions and our behavior uh, that we don't see ourselves the way the Lord sees us. And because we don't see the way uh, see ourselves the way the Lord sees us, we allow the enemy, the Satan, to come in and take us captive every day because we don't know who we are in him, or I should say who we belong to. But, but you know, I can remember when I was a kid and I would go visit someone and my mother would say to me, Joanne, she said, watch your manners. Don't forget who you belong to. And I'm sure most of you had your mothers tell you the same thing. What she was actually saying is that my behavior would reflect on the family, the whole family, not just me. My dad and my mom had 13 children, 12 that lived, and one of us would show up someplace. We'd always go down to the country store or something to get something, and the person that was working, he'd always say to one of us, you're one of those Weeks children, aren't you? Or your dad is so-and-so. You know, that's kind of like it is now. People look at us Christians, and they say, you're one of them. And I say, yes, I belong to Jesus Christ, and God is my Father. Hallelujah. Saints, I believe that is a big problem in the world today. I believe that a lot of you have forgotten who you belong to and who your Father is and who you are in Christ Jesus, and I think you have forgotten the power and authority that he has bestowed upon all of us. He steals your health. He, steal, he comes in every day. He steals your health. He steals your finances, your children, your peace, all because you don't know your rights as a kingdom child. We don't know who we are, and we don't believe who the Word says we are. That's the biggest problem right there, is that we really don't believe what the Word says. Most of us don't believe what God's Word says about us. We say we do. You know, we say if you ask somebody if they believe what God's Word says, they'll quickly tell you yes. But our actions speak louder. My mother used to tell me that actions were louder than words. And that's still true. Some things never change. Whatever the devil says, you just buy into the lie because you don't know how to counter his lies. And as a new creation in Christ Jesus and a child in the kingdom of God, I want to counter some of those lies tonight that the devil has been feeding you about what you can and what you cannot do. I know that some of you are fairly new to the kingdom. Maybe there aren't anyone in the congregation that's new to the kingdom. Maybe you're all in here born again, but I'm sure that there's some listening online. Maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they haven't met him, or maybe they're new in their faith, and you've not understand, understood yet who you are and what you've been given. But I want you to know that according to God's word, it does not matter how long you've been a new creature or a believer, you still have all the same rights. It's kind of like the parable that Jesus told about the people that got hired to work in a vineyard at different times of the day. But at the end of the day, all of them got the same wage. Uh, you find that in Matthew 20. I'm going to use tonight starting scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Genesis 1.26. And of course, there's going to be a, a lot of other scriptures, but I'm going to start with those. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the New Living Bible, you're all familiar with this. It says, being a new creature means that anyone who belongs to Christ has now become a new person. That's what a new creature is, is a new person. It says that the old life of that person is gone. 
A new life has now begun. Praise God. You know, brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful tonight that that person that used to live is no longer living. That all those things that I said and all those things that I did have been washed completely away. And because as a new creation, we have been totally cleansed. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. In verse 18, it tells us that all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us a task, saints, of, a reconciling, of reconciling people to him. It says in the New King James in verse 18 that he's given us all, not just one of us, but all the ministry of reconciliation. He wants you to reconcile people back to him. And how you do this is you reconcile people back to Jesus by being a good witness yourself. And this is what I was speaking about earlier. Your actions and your behavior is an influence. It, you know, is, it reflects on our God. You know. And when you're saying you're a Christian and you're not living that way, it reflects. It makes, all, makes us all look bad. It makes Jesus look bad. By letting others see through you how awesome God is and what a wonderful Father we have. According to verse 19, he says he is no longer counting people's sins against them. God is no longer keeping a record of your sins in spite of what you've been told. You know, a lot of people might, you know, you know, a lot of people think that every time you sin or do something, you know, God makes a record of it. But Romans 4, 7 says, Blessed and happy and to be envied are those whose inequities are forgiven and whose sins are covered up and completely buried. Wow. And if that was all he did, that in itself would be worth anything that we might go through. But it isn't all saints. That's not all he did. According to 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says that we are his ambassadors too, making us his own personal representatives. Representative means a person chosen or appointed to act or speak for another or for others, serving to represent, standing or acting for another, especially through delegated authority. Are you hearing me? He's talking about he has delegated all, the, delegated all this authority to us. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned before us. Uh, he has planned for us long ago. It says he wants us to live the good life which he has already prearranged and made ready for us to live. And I put a sailor there. Sailor only means to stop and, and, and think about it. It also makes me wonder, and I'm sure it makes you wonder too, why so many are sick and in their bodies and in financial need. You know, most of, the, uh, most of the body of Christ is in financial need or sick. And I preach to myself, too. You know, I don't put myself above anybody else. <laughs> you know, we're all fighting battles. You know, and the thing of it is, we have to be bold enough and strong enough to continue on. God tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 6, that he has raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As Pastor Larry was saying, we're full of him. Friends, God showed me one morning, when I was a fairly new Christian, how we were seen in the kingdom. He impressed upon me to draw a picture of a little stick man. I know I've, done, I've talked about this before, but I'd like to share it again, because sometimes, you know, I've, I've heard that, you know, uh, a word, um, a picture's worth a thousand words. So I have a couple of them here. I had, um, I had poster boards that a person that used to work for my husband that's now retired. And um, 
he made me two big poster boards. As a matter of fact, he made me several, and I gave several of them away. But I made a mistake of giving all of them away. I looked and everywhere, and Christine looked, and we couldn't find them. But anyway, he impressed upon me to draw this picture. He showed me that Jesus is the head, and I think it, you know you can still see it, even though it's not a poster board, that it's a little stick man, and he was giving me a picture. This was the vision he gave me as a new Christian, that Jesus is the head and that we're the body. And I thought that was really, um, really awesome. And then um, in Ephesians 1, and 23, in the New Living Bible says that God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. In other words, he is saying that the head needs the body just as much as the body needs the head. Are you hearing me? You know, a few weeks later, as I was brushing my teeth one morning, he gave me another image of three chairs. I drew three chairs and placed little stick man in them, and he showed me here. At chair number one is God, and chair number two is Jesus, and chair number three is us. So he has raised us up and seated us in the heavenly places right by him. That's where we're sitting. We're full of him. He's in us and he's for us. Amen. You know, and so he wanted me to see that as a new believer where my position was. Our position is right next to his. And everything that belonged to Jesus belonged to him now belongs to us. He left us down here to take over and stand. For him, he left us in charge. According to Ephesians two six, he raised us up together with him and made, and I capitalize made because he made us. He didn't ask us. He made us to sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ, the Anointed One. You also need to know, saints, that you have the very same power and the very same authority, no matter how long you've been in the kingdom. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the kingdom, according to Luke 10, 17 through 20. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. He still does. That hasn't changed. The only thing that the Satan is afraid of is the word of God. And he'll bow to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In verse 19, it said, look, Jesus said, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. And he said, nothing, he says, will anyway injure you. And according to Genesis 1:26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. I capitalize that, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Saints, our dominion is not to rule over other people, but instead we are meant to have authority over every situation, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual. As we can see when Pastor Larry came up and prayed for me, he was taking his authority he was exerting his authority. In Ephesians 1.21 in the English Standard Version, it says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also, he said, in the one to come. 
And you might ask this afternoon, is power and dominion the same? Some common synonyms of dominion are authority, command, control, jurisdiction, and power. While all these, all these words mean the right to govern or rule or determine, dominion stresses sovereign power or supreme authority. And that's what he said he's given us. He tells you that in Genesis, that he's given you dominion, which means you have the authority, you can command, you can control, you have jurisdiction, and you have power. While all these words mean the right to govern or rule or determine, as I said before, dominion stresses sovereign power or supreme, um, supreme authority. And that is what the Lord has given us, dominion here on this earth. Praise God. In other words, the Lord has given you and me power and authority over the evil that Satan brings against us over his plots and over his schemes. In verse 20 says, but don't rejoice. I love this. He said, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. But you know, we need to recognize that those evil spirits and all those things that attack us are spirits. But he's saying that we have the power over them. He said, all the spirits are subject to you. But he said, don't rejoice in that fact. He said, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Praise God. I'm glad my name's up there. Hallelujah. God does not see one person as being more than another person. You know, a lot of people try to exalt themselves above other people because of their position. But God doesn't see us any different because of our position. Only we see ourselves that way. But God doesn't see ourselves that way. He says in Romans 2.11, For God shows no partiality, undue favor, or unfairness with one man is not different from another. Praise God. I believe that most Christians, I really believe this, I believe that most Christians live beneath or way below who God created you to be simply because they don't recognize who they are in Christ or what belongs to them as a new creation or a believer in Christ Jesus. God made the earth for his children to enjoy, but just as Adam and Eve allowed the devil to deceive them into thinking that God was holding out on them, we're no different today. God's children are doing the same thing today, that the very same thing that they did. The devil is deceiving you every day, brothers and sisters, about who you are and what your rights are as a kingdom child. According to Genesis 1.26, you're already like your father. Understand that. It says that in the New Living Bible. It says, and then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And he was talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please understand that you're already like him. Jesus says we are the one with him as he is one with the Father, according to John 17. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he said he created them male and female. He created them, right? That's what the word says. It's funny how they're trying to change that, but you can't, you, you can't change it. You know, you may, you can try, but you can't change it. You may not be aware of this, but you have the knowledge of God. And he says you have been given a Christ-like mind too. Satan tricked Eve into thinking she was not like God and deceived her into eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then, of course, she got Adam to take, take some of the fruit too. <laughs> but then he blamed that woman, you know. <laughs> that woman made me do it. I think they still do that today. 
But <laughs> and 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts and the feelings and the purposes of his heart. Praise God. You know, God wants to give you things, saints. He wants to give you your heart's desires. He does not hold anything back from you. But we think that he does because we're not getting what we think we need to get. My point is this, saints. When you became a part of the kingdom of God, he took you as his very own. He adopted you and me with the same rights as Jesus, and he loves you the same. He hasn't changed. And verse 16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Hallelujah. And verse 17 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ. He says, We are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, saints, he said, we must share his suffering. In other words, as a child of God, you're going to suffer some persecutions, just like he did. If we are to enjoy all the other good benefits of being a child of the kingdom, then we're going to suffer persecutions. But what we need to understand, most importantly, is that when you're being persecuted, it's not, it's not you that's being persecuted. It's Jesus that's being persecuted. And that was what Paul was saying, um, you know, when he was riding with Saul and uh, Jesus knocked him off his horse or whatever, uh, when he was persecuting the Christians. And he said to Paul, he said, why do you persecute me? And Paul said, Lord, I, he didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, why do you persecute me? So Paul was persecuting the Christians. But Jesus said that he was persecuting him. So you need to understand that when you're being uh, attacked and persecuted, it's not, Jesus, it's, it's, um, it's not you that's being persecuted, but Jesus. When I get attacked, it's not me. It's not you know me he's trying to attack. He's trying to stop me. And anytime you're trying to, he's trying to stop you all the time. But even if you aren't doing anything, but especially you know when the Lord gives you something else to do, he knows about it. And he's going to do everything he can to stop it. And so a lot of Christians are mistaken by thinking that if God gives you something to do, it's going to be all smooth. But it's going to be the very opposite. You know, you're, going to, you're, not, you're not going to get through it without a battle because Satan's going to be right there to stop you or try. He can't stop you, but he can try. But you're going to have to be strong and bold and stand. Praise God. But the good news is that as a child of God, he is always there with us. We are never alone, saints, never, ever again. I'm, I'm so thankful for that because we have the spirit of Jesus living inside of us, praise God. But you won't, but you can't know all of this. You know, you just know you can't know all this unless we renew our minds as the word instructs us to do in Romans 12 too. I know you've heard this verse over and over again in uh, Romans 12 too, but it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, and I capitalize then, after, after you do this, after you let God transform you into a, a new person by changing the way you think, he said, then you would learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Praise God. And, and then you will begin to see yourself as he sees you, as you renew your mind. You know, transformation is something that takes place on the inside. It's getting a whole new way of doing things. It's kind of like your computer. It's a whole new program. It's all new software. It's just all of it's new. Since we're not of this world, 
So therefore, we are not expected to act like the world or live like the world, according to John 17, 16. We are in the world, not of it. We operate under a different set of laws. Jesus called them the laws of the kingdom of God, and this is where we operate. In order to believe the words of Jesus, we must let go of old ideas and open ourselves up to new ones. There's so many people that have received Christ as their Savior, but they still got the same mindset that they had before and and you know it, which is in the flesh and they can't understand why they're not receiving anything but you've got to change the way you think you got to change the way you see things we have to change open up ourselves to new ideas you know to to God's way of thinking as David said he said teach teach me your ways O Lord that I may walk in them the principles of faith and confession seems like nonsense from a worldly point of view, I know that, you know, we get talked about it all the time. However, friends, reading and meditating on God's word and confessing it, or I might say speaking it out of your mouth is what God has instructed us to do. According to 2 Corinthians 4.18, as believers, we call those non-existent things that God has foretold and promised as they already existed. I think the big problem here is that the Scripture tells us, God's Word tells us, that we call those non-existent things that God has foretold and promised as it already existed. But our problem seems to be we're calling the things that we already have, not what we don't have. We need to be calling what the Lord has promised us. We need to be calling what we want, not what we have. And so that's a big problem in the world today, too, is that we're calling those things that we see in the natural instead of focusing on the supernatural. That's really where we exist, and because, we, as the Bible says, we're not of this world. Actually, we're just passing through. But that is one of those kingdom laws that I was talking about before, renewing our minds to his way of thinking and seeing ourselves as he sees us. I know a lot of Christians don't read the Word, for they say they can't understand it. But you need to know, friends, that if you ask, that's all you got to do. You got to ask. God will give you understanding of his word. As a matter of fact, he even sent the Holy Spirit to help us understand the word. So we don't even have to do it by ourselves. I'd like to share this story with you that I read once about this little boy and his grandfather. It was called the coal basket. It said that every morning the grandfather would get up and he'd sit by the fireplace reading his old worn out Bible. And the little boy would try to do the same, for he wanted to be just like his grandfather. And one morning, the boy asked his grandfather, why do you read the Bible every day? He said, when I read it, I can't understand it. And as soon as I close it, I forget what I read. The grandfather didn't answer him. He just picked up this coal basket and handed it to the lad. And he told him to go down to the river and to fill it up with water. The little boy, anxious to please his grandfather, took the basket. He went down to the river. He filled it up with water. But on his way back, the water began to leak through the holes in the basket. So when he got back, the basket was empty. His grandfather sent him back down to the river to fill the basket again. The same thing happened. The basket was empty. And after several attempts, he told his grandfather, Grandfather, no matter how fast he, you know, no matter how fast he ran, the water would leak out through the holes in the basket. And his grandfather told him, he said, "Look at the coal basket." He said, "When you started, the basket was black from coal, but look at it now." He said, "It's all clean and shiny." The grandfather said to his grandson, 
That's the way it is with reading the Bible. You may not think you're getting anything. However, if you will stick to reading it, you will be clean the same way. Hallelujah. That calls for a Selah. Just stop and think about that. Brothers and sisters, the word is working. It is working. It's changing you and renewing your mind and hearts, whether you realize it or not. You just have to be persistent. The same is true for speaking the word. You just have to persevere. You have to be consistent. Before you begin reading, pray and ask God for understanding. Another thing I would suggest is that you buy a translation that you can understand. But I would check on the translation. It doesn't help you to read a translation that you cannot understand. Just because your mom or your grandmother read that translation doesn't mean that you have to. No more than you have to go to the same church just because your parents bought a pew there or a window for the church. You know, I've heard people say they go to church because their grandmother or whatever had bought a pew in the church or one of those stained glass windows. That's no reason to go anywhere. And for all of you listening online, make sure that you select a church that teaches the word straight from the Bible. Make sure you get a good translation. There are some translations, I understand it, are not so good and some that they have taken a lot of things out of. So you want to make sure that you have a good translation. And don't let a religious mindset keep you from getting to know your father, which is what you're doing when you read the word. That's what you're doing. You read the word. The more you read the word, the more you get to know your father, our father. And don't let religion keep you from inheriting from God what he has prearranged for you to have, what is rightfully yours. There's so much that belongs to us, but we're not, we're not ha we don't have it, but it belongs to us. And believe me, everything I get, and everything you get will be from the knowledge of the word of God that you have in you. For when we go to him, we must know what his word says about what we're asking him for. You must pray God's word. That's the only thing that he will respond to is his word. He won't respond to your cries and your pleas, but he responds to his word. And 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, which is his word, it says that he listens to and he hears us. Saints, his will is his word, and he does have plans for you and he has plans for me. Knowing his word is the only way that you will know what you have inherited as his child, that you have received an inheritance. That's the only way that you're going to know. You know, I can remember back in 2002 when my husband went home to be with the Lord. I had to find out what he had left me so I'd know what I was going to live on. And in order to do this, I had to go through all the paperwork, his investments, life insurance, his retirement benefits, all this had to be gone over. And once I had completed this, and I had all the paperwork together, the title deeds, you know, et cetera, all those things that they require for you, I then had to acquire death certificates for proof of his death. And having done all of this, I began sending out letters and making phone calls. I began putting a claim on what I had inherited from my husband. And they had no choice, seems, but to give it to me because I had proof that it belonged to me. And as a child of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, you have proof too. According to the word of God, you have an inheritance and the only thing, and the only thing keeping you from your inheritance is your lack of knowledge of his word. The only thing, which is his last will and testament. Friends, in his word, you will find out what you have inherited. Just like it was through going through all those papers, you know, that I found out what belonged to me. 
that's the only way we're going to find out what our inheritance is, is from God, is through his word. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree? You have to know the word of God so you can agree with him. Praise God. Are you hearing me? In Galatians 3.27-3.29, a New Living Bible says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the Anointed One, have put on and clothed yourself with Christ. In other words, you have become a new creation, a new creature, clothed in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Everything. This is what God is saying in his word. His word is your proof, saints. It's your proof that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And so everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to us. Praise God. Jesus died so we could inherit the things that God wanted us to have. I'm sure that all of you know that someone must die in order for there to be a last will and testament, since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. So, but in order to lay claim to it, we must first believe that it is ours and then look into God's word to see what is ours. If you had someone to pass away that you left something, you're not going to get it unless you've got some proof that it belongs to you. But we have proof that the, we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus and everything he has belongs to us. So we may have to get a new way of thinking and train our mouths to speak what God's word says about us. He tells us in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 to lean on him, to trust and be confident in him with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own insight or your own understanding. In verse 6, it said, in all your ways, know, recognize, acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Praise God. He is saying to lean on him, trust him, recognize that he is your father. He wants you to know that he is your source. This is something that we, so many people do not understand. They think their job is their source or the bank is their source or the people their source. God is the only one that is our source. Now he's not, he will, as long as we're walking with him, he will provide our needs just like he said he would. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. But we have to understand that he will provide for us according to Genesis 22. It's not, like I said, it's not our job or other people that is our source, but it's our father. You know, a lot of people think it's their job or whatever that provides for them, but it's really not. It's God. Another thing a new uh, creature must do is not look back. We can't look back. Sometimes I get tempted to look back to that old self. The one that you left, that we left behind when, you, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He said, I have not reached perfection. He said, but I possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And he said, no, dear brothers and sisters, Paul said, I have not achieved it. But I, he said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Praise God. None of us have reached perfection. We all come short, but thanks be to God who has made us complete in him, according to Colossians 2.10. I'd like to close with this. As a child of the kingdom, we need to put God first in our lives, saints. As a kingdom citizen, we're not of the world, but we, we are in the world. 
We're here to change things. God put us here to make a difference in the world, to change things so that others can be as blessed as we are blessed. And unless we share what the Lord is doing for us with others and let others see that, then they're not going to uh, be able to receive what belongs to them. We all have been conditioned by the world, but in the kingdom we don't govern ourselves by the world system or the principles of man. We govern ourselves by the ever-living word of God. Brothers and sisters, we live by the word and we breathe by the word. And, we'd, and we would have no life if it were not for the word. Hallelujah. And you need to know, you need to know God for yourself. You need to know him for yourself. That's what Job said in Job 42, 5, an Amplified Bible. Job said, I had heard of you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eyes see you. Praise God. Remember, we have been given God's word, his book of instructions to guide us in living the kingdom life that he has called us into when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Also keep in mind, you are a new creature, a new creation, born again, a believer, and also you are the apple of your father's eye. Praise God. You know, I, I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord in my life. And according to him, he rules and reigns in our life. If we'll let him, he'll rule and reign in our lives. I don't think you can listen to the word too much. I don't think you can read the word too much. I, 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 I don't know. I feed my body every day, my physical body. And I, 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 sometimes I think I feel, feel my spiritual body. I feed it more than I do my physical body. But I'm hungry for the word. I don't thirst for the word because Jesus said if we had the living water, which is him, we'd never thirst again. So I don't thirst for it, but I, <laughs> I hunger to get more of him. But then I think I understand that it's not so much that I need to get more of him, that he needs to get more of us. You know, he needs more of us. We don't need to keep asking for more of him because he can't give us any more. Because the Bible says he gave us everything. He filled us. He has nothing more to give. But we do. And so it's really him that wants us to give him more of ourselves instead of the other way around. And we, can't, we need to stop asking God for power too. If you're born again, believer. Because according to the word, when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got power. And if you don't have power, then you must not be born again. So you can't keep asking God for power or something he's already given you. He's given you all power and all authority. And he said, the power shall come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And we're no different than disciples. He gave it, he gave it all to us. And so we need to know it all belongs to us, not just a little bit, okay? Father God, I thank you so much tonight. I thank you for giving me a spirit of boldness. I thank you, Lord God, for the words that you gave me to share tonight. I thank you, Lord, for all those that are listening online and, and all of those that are in the congregation tonight. I thank you, Lord, for giving them a word, Lord, that, will, that, have, that has ministered to them and that will, they will think about during the week as they go forth this coming week with their normal, day, uh, normal things. I do believe, Lord, that you're going to bring back to their remembrance some of the things that they heard today. And I pray, Lord, that it will be a blessing to them. And I thank you again for your presence in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we're not of this world and we're only passing through so, Lord, we continue to pray for the courage and the boldness 
and the grace to be able to continue to persevere regardless and know that we're not going to be overcomers. We already are overcomers and we're already more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who always causes us to triumph. So Lord, I thank you that we belong to you and that you are living in us. And when we move, you move. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will begin to do whatever, whatever we can. Some people can do more than others and some can't do as much. Everybody could do a little bit. Let them do the best, to do the part that they can, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.